Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Freaking first cut. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's WGC Dell Technologies match play. And boy, is it a doozy. Joining me to break it all down, Sia Najat is here. Happy Nowruz, Sia. Oh, thank you so much. Wow. Wow, you are on top of it. Come on, dude. (laughs) So, yeah, exactly. Of course, of course you would be, of all people. Uh, Rick, thank you very much. Uh, And I got to say, so... Rick, I don't think you're going to like this, but you're also kind of going to like it. So I'm not as big on match play as you are in terms of preserving it year after year after year. And I have a couple of reasons that might not even be real good reasons. However, when I see brackets come out, I change my tune real quick. And maybe, okay, so is that is that really why? Is, is that what this comes down to for you? Well, I like match. I, I think in general, golf – most places outside like the professional ranks is played in match play, right? Like if I went and played against my buddies, we would probably play some form of match play, Um, Mm -hmm. which I, which I think, I think it just has such a great place in the game. But when you put anything in a bracket, right? I I mean, America, (laughs) America loves brackets and you could put anything in a bracket and I'm actually, uh, they do a good job with this format with, you know, trying to take something as crazy as golf and, and putting it into, into a format like this. So yeah, I mean, the, the, the bracket for me just takes it to a whole nother level. No, that's a completely fair point. And, and, and so the, the reason I think it's maybe, I think it's a little too taxing on the golfers. And obviously there's a huge Oh, oh, see, oh I know. I'm so I, know. I feel so horrible for them. <laughs> well, listen, and there's a huge prize pool at the end of the rainbow here, but I just seven rounds potentially, or I shouldn't say seven rounds, seven matches and however many rounds that that would end up being, uh it, it's that's a lot. 
I don't know. I think of guys like Will Zalatoris or Fitzpatrick or Hideki Matsuyama, who who potentially, I mean, Will Zalatoris is well past his injury, but there's some guys with these lingering injuries. Maybe that's just a built-in advantage for us in DFS and in, in the brackets themselves. But I think that's the problem I have with it. It just seems like a lot. I just wonder what the player perspective is coming into these terms as opposed to mine. Yeah, I mean, they probably hate it, right? I mean, it's like it's like a lot of golf. I get it. It's you know, it, it, the, it's a gift and a curse, right? The deeper you go, the more you have to play, but mm-hmm. it's the deeper you are. So, so we'll see. Um, I am under the impression that for this week's one and done, the link is in the description, although the chat does not necessarily agree with that. So, if if the link is not in the description as of right now. To get your uh to get your your vote in for the match play one and done, I'm sure Troy will have it in there within moments. So refresh and and try again. And if you're watching this not live, you're watching it on demand. I'm, I'm sure it'll be there for you. Uh, we we must also point out, Sia, that the this is technically another elevated event. So it's twenty million dollars in the purse. It does create generally a more volatile situation because match play is kind of wacky and crazy and all over the place. So there there will be some pretty fun decisions to be made in in one and done this week. Well, so that's the thing is like the like I said about the the pot at the end. What is it? Is this is another four and a half million or four million no, to the winner? I believe it's a 3.6. Uh, actually, is, yeah, I, I'll have to confirm that, but something like that. Which is an insane amount of money. I mean, I, I believe that would still be more than the four majors, right? I'm, I'm sorry for giving you the sort of the research quiz here, but it, it is a tremendous amount. So the question becomes, do you do you want to risk a top guy in, in the one and done knowing that, you know, your top guy, because of just circumstances of, of other guys in his group, really playing well he might not even get out of the group let alone get to the to the grade eight or the final four so it's a really kind of a tough situation to to grab one of your elite guys but it's so much money that maybe you just want to go ahead and do that yeah 3.6 million up top the purse is 20 million we won't officially know the major purses until those weeks but 20 million would be more than what the majors were last year so Mm -hmm. keep that in mind um troy if you could share my screen i've got a bracket here um thank you very much so here's the bracket that i filled out i just threw it in google docs like i've been doing for the last couple of of years see just to kind of keep track of everything and before we go we will go group by group through this and and talk about some names but let's talk about the format so monday morning uh the names were drawn the top 16 seeds are all in their own group so they get their own group and then there are B players, C players, and D players that are randomly drawn to fill out the rest of these groups. So every single group has an A player, a B player, a C player, and a D player. They will play round robin against one one another, uh, one round on Wednesday, one round on Thursday, one round on Friday. And then the winner of each group will advance to the Sweet 16. Then it'll go to single elimination. So Sia, this is actually a, a newer format. They started doing this in 2015. It used to just be straight up single elimination, which mm-hmm. is wild, but talk about guys who don't want to travel and spend a lot of money and get there and play 15 holes because they got boat raced and have to go home. This guarantees everybody three rounds exactly so yeah a lot of those guys you know these big time names that we see like let's say at the top of group one and group two we don't want them going home because they had one bad round right so they get to stick around for three Uh, it's a really good format and as far as i mean i I don't want to go back to the taxing thing i I mean i think there's ways to like maybe make the first few rounds maybe a little a a little shorter it's just something to think about but at the end of the day what's interesting here is you're talking about bc and d players and a lot of these guys 
you know, they got a tough draw because, quote, some of these C and D players, I mean, Rick, correct me if I'm wrong, this is based on OWGR, right? And we know how, right? right? Is that right? Yes, that's correct. And we know how slow the OWGR is to catch up to, and it's not a knock on, on the OWGR, but, you know, it's not really accounting for who's really been hot over the last 24, 36, even 50 rounds because the turnover takes some time there. So, for example, like that that John Rom group, that's pretty gross for John Rom. You know, he gets Billy Horschel, who's good here, but, but he hasn't been playing well. But then Keith Mitchell and Ricky Fowler in the same group, there's a lot of tough groups. I, I think Scotty Scheffler got a, a kind of a tough draw. I think Jordan Spieth got kind of a tough draw. Uh, Sam Burns. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, Morikawa is another one. There's a lot of tough groups here, and, it, and it's predicated on these, quote, C and D players that right now might be B players. Yeah, so we will <clears throat> we'll go through each one of these groups. We'll talk about who we think has the best chance of coming out. But the, the real key here, Sia, uh, this is our DFS show. So if you're making DFS lineups, there there is really only one way to do this. Uh, you have to give yourself – clean paths to getting golfers as far as you can. So for example, the Cardinal sin, you could commit choosing two golfers out of the same group. Um, here, we'll take this example up here in the upper right-hand quadrant group two, John Rahm and Billy Horschel. There is no planet in which you should have both of those guys in the same lineup. The idea being that only one of them is going to be able to get out of the group. You should also not include anyone from the neighboring group, which for group two would be group 15 because if they did get out of their group, they would immediately run into each other in the Sweet 16. So you need to give yourself uh, six clear paths to the Elite Eight without your golfers running into each other, and then ideally four clear paths to the Final Four. It is the only way to build lineups, and it is the one massive built-in edge to this format because we're going to get – 25 to 35% of the lineups that are going to be built incorrectly and are probably going to end up being donations this week. Yeah. And a way to do that. And, and I know, uh, Rick, on, on your site, you kind of have built in rules, which is super helpful. But if you're hand building and you, you just are intimidated by that kind of stuff, just think of the concept. You want your your team of six to survive in advance as long as possible. So, again, you don't want guys from the same group. You don't want guys from adjacent groups necessarily um, because of uh, what that's going to mean in terms of them surviving to the the grade eight and, and the final four. So, yeah, I mean, I, that, that's that's something that I think the industry has largely caught up to, but not everybody. And, and frankly, a lot of people, because this is Wednesday or partly because this is a, a Wednesday start, they, they're kind of realizing like maybe last minute, oh, shoot, I, I forgot to fill out my lineup. And they're just kind of putting something together and they're, they're not factoring in some of those, some of those issues. Yeah. And there was, I mean, there were a few hours where salaries were out, but the bracket wasn't out yet and people could have built lineups without even knowing what the bracket looks like. So yeah, I mean, keep, keep your guys away from each other for as long as possible. As Sia notes, shameless plug, I have optimized on rickrungood.com with the rules built in. So it won't let, it will not let you build uh, uh, lineups that are not optimal for this week, which is, which is really, really nice. Um, Okay. Sia, we're going to go through this literally group by group, talk through all the players, the guys that have a chance to make a run at this, but we are going to pay the bills first and take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. 
With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast and we're back all right let's do it group one scotty scheffler gets the nod the number one overall seed he draws tom kim alex norin and davis riley if you're watching on youtube it's the upper left hand portion of the screen so sia uh is this a scotty scheffler runaway or is he going to meet some resistance here well, I think he's going to meet some resistance, but I think that resistance is largely going to be from Tom Kim. I mean, as good as Davis Riley was last week, that was kind of a Davis Riley course in the sense that he just seems to be really good there. I mean, I faded him last week uh, completely, and it it was mostly to my detriment. And so I don't think he's necessarily going to be good here. We know Scotty has the Texas ties. We also know he's probably the best in the world. So Scotty, I like, I just think Tom Kim is, is a really good course fit. I mean, we see the approach play here and, and really the ball striking in general. It hasn't been as good, but I think at any given moment, and the putter hasn't been as good either, but I think at any given moment, especially on this course, which which doesn't really reward long hitters very much, uh, Tom Kim could flash for sure. And if he if he piles up, I don't know what his round one matchup because I'm is because I'm not looking at it. But if if he piles up a couple wins against Norn and Riley and, and Scheffler slips up in one of the, one of his matchups, um, it could be a problem for Scotty Scheffler. So he's clearly the best. I'm not going after Norn. I'm not going over after Davis Riley. If you wanted to have an upset special here, I think Tom Kim would be the guy. Yeah, Tom Kim. Uh, it looks like they are loading. The, the leaderboard on PGATour.com is being loaded as we speak. It does not have everybody in here. Uh, I believe what they do is they try to have it so that the A and B matchup happens on Friday. Third day. Yeah. Yes, correct. That so I think sense. it's like A plays D, then A plays C, then A plays B. I believe the way it shakes out. Um, so I, I'm with you here. I, I think it is likely that Scotty 
gets out of group one. I think that Tom Kim offers the ability to get scorching hot with the putter. We have seen him uh, rise to the occasion and match play at the president's cup. I think he's a fiery guy. I think it goes well when you start getting hot in this, but uh, I, I think it's kind of a two horse race, Alex Noren, Davis Riley. Um, sorry. I don't, I don't think I have much of a chance, but Hey, it's match play. Anything can happen. Group two, other side of the bracket. That's John Rahm, Billy Horschel, Keith Mitchell, Ricky Fowler. That's a that's a tough draw for the number two player in the world. Yeah, this is a classic case where that D player is really a B player now. And, and that, that, of course, I'm referring to, to Ricky Fowler there. This is a really tough draw. I mean, obviously, Rahm is the, is the class of, of this group. But, you know, we could even see, as much as we like Keith Mitchell lately and Ricky Fowler, this is a Billy Horschel-style format. And, and we could see him surprised, too. So this is one of those where I'm really scared in DFS to roster John Rahm because I think it's it's very – possible he doesn't get out of group one and frankly if he gets to if he gets out of group one he still has to go against you know we'll get there i think cam young is is live against john rom too so he has three guys to get at get get past in in round one and then if he has to place a, a, a hot cam young an emerging cam young that's that's a pretty tough draw if he gets past that it might get a little easier for him but uh you know here uh, i don't know that i'm gonna roster john rom I, I think I'm just going to avoid this group altogether in DFS, but I think Ricky and Rom are my favorite two here. Yeah, this is this is one of the worst draws. It's not. I don't think it's the worst, but you get a guy who, yeah, Ricky Fowler much improved. The advanced metrics are outpacing his OWGR. You have Keith Mitchell, who's played great golf and has an elite skill set in driving it. You don't want to run into elite skill sets in match play. And then Billy Horschel, who has been statistically the worst player in this group, Sia, and he's a past champion. He won it two years ago. So I mean, mm-hmm. this is this is a gauntlet for John Rom. I I I I like kind of if you're building, you know. 10 or 20 lineups kind of spreading though, either, either avoiding group two altogether or uh, spreading the wealth out here, getting access to a little bit of Ricky, a little bit of Keith Mitchell, maybe a little bit of Billy Horschel. Um, but th- that is a very, very difficult group there. I mean, just think, look at just real quick, look at group seven, Will Zalatoris. I mean, again, this is the OWGR. It's just, it, it's for this tournament. It's a little obsolete in my opinion. I, I think Fromm could hand pick the three guys he'd want to go against. It's probably going to be Ryan Fox, Harris English and Andrew Putnam, not Billy Horschel, Keith Mitchell and Ricky Fowler. It's just like such a, such a, it's kind of antiquated. Like I almost feel like he should have gotten his pick or something. Cause this, this seems, this seems like the toughest group to me. Now that would be good content. The the 16 guys should just draft who they, who they play. Amazing content. Sick. You're welcome. PGA tour group three, Rory McIlroy's group. Rory McIlroy draws Keegan Bradley, Denny McCarthy, Scott Stallings. See ya. Yeah, that one that one is tough because I actually think they're the, all four guys are are live, but I think there's th- actually three that are definitely live and I'm including Denny McCarthy in there because first of all, I'm certainly going to have a lean to good putters and 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 I think that's kind of obvious. It really puts the pressure on these guys when they know once they actually get to the green that they're going up against an elite putter and we know that's exactly what Denny McCarthy is, but I've been pretty impressed with his ball striking as of late. We saw it at the Valspar. He gained 4.26 on approach, um, just under four ball striking in total. But there have been bouts where Denny McCarthy is really at the Genesis Invitational um, where he was good on approach, but but bad uh, off the tee. But he was great off the tee at the players and you know decent on approach. I think there are circumstances where Denny can get hot with the ball strike. And if that happens, watch out. Because on this course in particular, I think he can beat anybody with a hot putter and hot ball strike. I also think this is another tough draw for Rory. You know, I'll I'll write off Scott Stallings. So assume he wins the whole thing. But, you know, you don't want 
to get involved. You know, the, the the match play motto is is first in wins. And and when you have to go up against a very tough putter, the best putter in the world, and he's constantly burying things on you, it puts a lot of pressure on your match play opponent. You know what else, what else puts your puts pressure on a match play opponent? A guy like Keegan Bradley who yeah. cares too much about anything, right? Like Keegan takes everything so seriously, and he's going to grind on you. And he's a great ball striker, and he's in the midst of the best stretch of his career and and Rory's like trying to figure out if he's got the right driver in the back this is a this is another tough draw I I I I again I lean those big three Rory Keegan and Denny I think Denny can make a, a pretty deep run at this thing just because of the skill set and and the uh the improvements in ball striking but this is a very very difficult group to come out of number three yeah this is this is one of my favorite groups to have like kind of an upset special from a DFS standpoint because keep in mind Denny McCarthy is only 6900 on DraftKings so he allows you it allows you to play a guy like Denny and then take maybe a, a big name like a Scotty or a Rom, whatever, you know, there's there's a ton of big names, obviously. But um, Denny's kind of one of my sneakier plays to, to get out of a group. Uh, group four, Patrick Cantlay, 10,700. Brian Harmon, 7,400. KH Lee, 6,400. Nick Taylor, 6,600. I just learned last week that people still play Brian Harmon. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I just like I, I kind of don't get it. Like, I understand the short course narrative and all that, but like, it just I, I I'm not I'm not looking that way. We've talked about him. It just hasn't been the same Brian Harmon. I don't expect that to change uh, during match play, specifically against the guys like Patrick Cantlay. But for me, uh, like with each of these groups, I'm kind of choosing two guys that I like. The two guys that I would actually be willing to play. Obviously, Patrick Cantley is one of them. And you can make an argument that Patrick Cantley could could win this thing and and you know just coast through um his quadrant. I think Nick Taylor's the other guy that I think is actually a pretty decent course fit. And he's obviously a super low price. And is he gonna get past Cantley? Probably not. But again, I'm I'm gonna have Cantley coming out of this group. But from a DFS standpoint, you know, if you had to take a cheap guy, I think Nick Taylor has shown the ability to pull off. Um, a few good rounds in a row, and that's what he'd need to get out of this group. Yeah, I think I think Cantlay's going to boat race these guys. Yeah, um, right. and I think that he could go deep. So there's a lot here. I think Patrick Cantlay is actually one of like the most interesting golfers in this entire in this entire thing. He has a great draw here. I think his path is pretty clean for the most part for, for a sure. while. I think mm-hmm. that um, now that he's a, a, an equipment free agent and he's got it all figured out, he like the ball striking numbers are insane. I also think he's difficult to play against in match play because he's very deliberate. He is not going to get emotion. Like he's not going to get down or too far. Like, I think he's very difficult to, to play in match play. The, the only problem I have uh, to kind of go back to like the, like whole, how many rounds of golf over five days is, you know, he's, he is such a, a routine guy. And ever since he had that back injury, he has this unbelievable, like he's, it takes him like hours to get stretched and get ready before a round. And I've, and this is like the worst week for guys like that, right. Where it's just like, he's almost going to be for, for five days straight, like in golf mode because of how much he's going to have to play the warm up, the cool down. He's going to sleep like two hours a night. Like I just, I, I worry, I think he's going to dominate this group, but I worry about how deep he's going to be able to go after that. That's an interesting point. I actually, I'll be honest. I didn't know that about Patrick Cantlay, that it's just a very deliberate, you know, he's sort of deliberate off the course as well uh, with those types of things. Uh, but you're right. The path is pretty clear for him. I mean, you know, you, when you look to like the second round and you even look to the grade eight, 
you know, especially if guys like Max Homer or Jordan Spieth, maybe Shane Lowry, some of those guys get knocked off, which is certainly possible. I mean, he really he really has to get past maybe a, like a Sam Burns or a Scott or a Hadwin, and then he might have a, a layup going towards the final four. So, I mean, he he definitely you said clean. Uh, he definitely has one of the cleaner paths for sure. Group five is a group that whoever comes out of group four could eventually run into. We're still in the bottom left-hand quadrant if you're watching on YouTube. That's Max Homa, Hideki Matsuyama, Kevin Kisner, Justin Suh. Kind of a lot to unwrap here, Sia. What do you see? This is interesting because obviously people are going to look at Kisner and be like, even when he's playing poorly, he plays well here, which is 100% true. I don't think I'm going to go there with uh, Kisner. So for me, it's it's going to be Homa. I really like Homa in this tournament in general. Speaking of clean paths, I mean, if you're going to make the argument about Patrick Cantlay, you can certainly make it about Max Homa as well in terms of his path to getting the final four. There's probably only maybe one or two giant roadblocks he'll he'll meet along the way. So I'm out on Kisner. I'm in on Homa. If I was going to go with somebody else, speaking of good putters, and I, I maligned this guy last week with the putter, which was just my mistake. Uh, he, Justin Suh is a good putter. And, and I, I mentioned last week that I, I didn't have faith in him w- when it comes to the putter. But, you know, that was just really one tournament I was focused upon. He's been really good with the putter. And that's another thing I'm looking more for here versus really any other tournament uh, any other week. Justin Suh's I think he's a little bit dangerous. I think he's playing well. You mentioned the the, the putting. He's got he, he's he's headed in the right direction. I I think that Max Homa might win this golf tournament. Might mm-hmm. might win the whole thing. I mean, he is he's well rounded. Uh, he's playing at a high level. He is even keel, and he's got a great caddy on the bag. And it, it's 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 a pretty you know you look at this. Um, at this draw. So what I did was I removed the top player Sia from each one of these groups and just looked at like the other three guys, what that, what that draw looks like. And in the last 36 rounds, the combination of Hideki, Kevin Kisner, Justin, Suh, that's a tour average player. So it is basically the second best draw. We still have one other better draw coming, but Max Homa got one of the better draws we could have gotten here to get out of his group. Well, no question. When you're getting Hideki Matsuyama as an 18 seed, and we know he's not playing like that, then you, you know it's going to be a built-in good draw there. But then you get Kisner, who's good here, but really has been quite bad as of late, which you just showed us on YouTube. And then Justin Suh, I think he has some upside. But yeah, Justin Suh against Max Homa, I'm pretty much going to take Max Homa nine out of ten times there as well. Back to the other side of the board, group six. That's Xander Shoffley, Tom Hoagie, Aaron Wise, Cam Davis. Um, this is a, okay. This is a pretty fascinating one. I, I could, I could find three guys out of this group for sure. Well, especially because for me, like I'm, I'm not ever really huge on, on Xander Shoffley. I'm usually kind of looking to fade him, even though you know, I obviously think he's a great golfer, but there, there's guys in this region. Um, Tom Hoagie, I think is really interesting. I think he'll be a popular contrarian play because we know how good he is on approach, but also just the shorter nature of this course, I think is probably going to help him out. I mean, that player's championship, T3, he gains almost nine strokes on approach. That's just obnoxious. That That is unbelievable. Yeah, the the ability to get hot, the ability to go low, the ability to rattle off a bunch of – like that's super valuable here. Even if you're offsetting it with a double or – it doesn't matter. It's match play. Like get hot, make a bunch of birdies. Tom Hoagie can do that. The – uh, the other one, and 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 bear with me here, because I know this might be a little bit a little bit ugly. But Cam Cam Davis is here. No, I and, agree with you here. By the way, right? So so yeah. 
you know, the really ugly five missed cuts in a row, but then he tells us, yeah, I was sick. I wasn't feeling myself, but I'm, I'm feeling great now, yada, yada, yada. And that aligns with the T6 at the Players' Championship in which the stat line was much better. We know if, if we just reset everybody back to their 100-round baseline, Cam Davis is always really interesting. He has that President's Cup experience where he played pretty well. And this group, to me, is wide open. You know, Aaron Wise, I, I wish, was playing better. He's not. Cam Davis mm-hmm. is 6,600. If people are going to opt for either Xander or they're going to find a, a darling in Tom Hoagie, like give me Cam Davis a 6,600 to come out of this group. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it would be different if Cam Davis was in a different group, but I definitely think he has, especially with some of the upside that I shouldn't say upside with some of the, some of what we saw recently from him and knowing the history. Um, I definitely think Cam Davis is live to win this group. Group seven, back to that upper right-hand quadrant. This is Rom's region. Will Zalatoris, Ryan Fox, Harris English, Andrew Putnam. I think, Sia, you said if Will Zalatoris could handpick three guys, he would pick these three. So I think we know where you might be going here. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Will Zalatoris is interesting to me on a different level, too, because you know, he he is re, has recently had what we thought was going to be a pretty bad back injury. And this is kind of where, again, I'm, I'm kind of going down like, you know, the MD road here, which I shouldn't be. But it's just one of those things where Will Zalatoris really wants to play like, you know, seven matches over over what I guess it's five days. It seems like a stretch to me, but he is clearly the talent of this group. And I, I don't really see it. I mean, Harris English, I think, is at least interesting to talk about because he's flashed some of the upside that we saw from Harris English, I don't know, like three years ago. But when it comes to Ryan Fox and Putnam, I listen, I think Ryan Fox is emerging, but he is not the caliber of uh, of Will Zalatoris. So for me, it's Will Zalatoris, and it's maybe a contrarian play on Harris English. Yeah, I, it's it's either Will or uh, I probably like Ryan Fox more than you do. You know, he's mm-hmm. got he's got a bunch of decent finishes in a row worldwide. He finished T14 at the API, T21 at the Players' Championship. I, I do also think, you know, I talked about this a little bit. When you – Match play is so different. Like you have to stand there and watch your opponent and you are playing against him, right? And when you have to play against someone who has something elite, it stinks. Whether it's the putter or Jordan Spieth's chipping in on on you constantly or Ryan Fox is hitting it like a million miles further than you are and you have to play first into every single green. Like I just think that's annoying and I think it wears guys in match play. And I would lean... I definitely think Zalatoris is the class of this, but um, Ryan Fox offers at seven thousand bucks a little bit, a little bit of excitement that I could I could probably get behind. Certainly an interesting contrarian play, which I, I don't hate. I'm not going to do it, but I don't hate it. Back to the other side of the board, Group Eight: Victor Hovland, Chris Kirk, Siwoo Kim, Matt Kuchar. Ooh, interesting. What do you want to do? This is a great group. I think this is a, another one of those just really challenging groups where it's hard to pick a winner. I'm going to pick Victor Hovland out of this group, and he probably will be featured on a couple of my DraftKings teams. But I like Chris Kirk at, at this tournament. I mean, I, not historically necessarily, but I, I think he's a good course fit. We know he's coming in with great form. And then Siwoo Kim and Matt Kuchar aren't any pushovers either, especially Matt Kuchar in in match play. So I this is this is a really tough group. I expect Victor Hovland to emerge out of it, but this is one of those from a DFS standpoint. It's hard to justify taking Victor Hovland because his competition is so great. Yeah, this is statistically the fourth worst draw 
because it's talented. And that doesn't even really account for how great Kucher has been in match play. It's all just kind of recent stuff. And Siwoo, Siwoo's like the perfect match play guy. It's just, mm-hmm. just like get hot, throw it all, hit, hit a couple in the water and only lose one hole. And you know what I mean? Like that he's, he's perfect for this and he's putting better with that broomstick now. And we saw him play well. I think he was the leading point scorer for the president, uh, the international president's cup team. The, the, this is a, a pretty, a pretty tough draw. I, I love statistically what kind of all these guys offer. So for me, if I'm building a bunch of lineups or you know ten lineups, I'm 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 kind of sh- spreading the wealth here. But unfortunately, I think um, yeah, I think Victor got a tough one. You think uh, this is a group to avoid largely from a DFS standpoint, knowing you can only pick yeah, six guys? Yeah, that's kind of the interesting thing is you could just like avoid groups, yeah. right? I mean, which, which um, you know, we'll see what that ownership looks like kind of m- moving forward. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not sprinting to get access to group eight, especially because, you know, if you look ahead, um, we'll talk about group nine in a second. Like group nine's a tough draw too. It's also the yeah. Scotty Scheffler side of thing. Like it's, it's just kind of, we talk oh, about yeah. clean paths. It's not really the cleanest path in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, All right. We're going to continue this conversation. We'll do the other eight groups, but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we're back. So before we jump right back into this, a couple things, Sia. So we're kind of, you know, looking at this bracket. So statistically, at least for the last 36 rounds, Group 8 is the fourth most difficult draw. Group 9, which we're going to talk about in a second, is the worst draw for Colin Morikawa. Hmm. That is also, the, what, like we were saying, the Scotty Scheffler region. So, so uh, all this stuff starts adding up over time. You have to consider it. The other thing to consider is it's really easy when you're filling out your bracket to say, obviously, Scotty Scheffler is going to win. Obviously, Colin Morikawa. Obviously, Victor Hovland. Obviously, Max Homa. Last year, we tied a record where eight top seeds got out of their group, eight, so half. Since we've gone to this format, we have seen as little as one top seed get out, 2021. Um, John Rahm was the only guy that got out of his group. And uh, on uh, overall, only 33% of the top seeds have actually advanced. So when you're filling out your bracket, while it's easy to click the top name, there, there has been a lot of churn. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder if, because we've had this discussion last year when some of the live guys left, do we think that percentage is going to shoot up a little bit because some of those middle to upper tier guys are gone? I do. Yeah. So in the same way that like high end and chalky guys are winning more often, 
I I also believe that we could skew towards towards that high side, right? Like the record's eight. Like if we go out and get seven or eight again, I think that would be skewing towards the high side. That would be well above the average since we've yeah. gone to this format. So even even if we got six of the top seeds out, I would say, wow, that's on the higher end of things. But I, I do think we are going to start skewing that way because yeah, that that soft middle tier. Or, or that middle tier of of betting boards and of the OWGR has gotten softer for sure. For sure. Group nine, uh, statistically the most difficult group. Uh, Colin Morikawa, Jason Day, Adam Svensson, Victor Perez. That, uh, if you want to name it, uh, could be considered the group of death. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to go with group two there with Rom, Horschel, uh, Mitchell, and Fowler. But this is an excellent group. I, I, I mean, I certainly think this is up there for sure. I, I don't. This again. This is this is a quadrant where, from a DFS standpoint, I kind of want to avoid. So, I mean, obviously, I'm going to take somebody from this quadrant. But you know, this is one where. Do I just make the call on Scotty Scheffler to go through and, and I and I sort of fix my DFS team to kind of largely avoid this quadrant? I'm not really sure because it's really hard to to make an argument for Colin Morikawa here when I have Jason Day sitting right next to him and Adam Svensson, who's really emerging, and Victor Perez, who, Rick, you talked about last week, who's a guy that at least can, can win a couple of these matches potentially. So for me, it's probably Jason Day. And I'll call it a day, you know, so I don't think I'm going to end up taking Colin Morikawa, but I also think I might avoid this group as well. Yeah. Colin Morikawa seems like the the guy least likely to get out of his group. I mean, you know, you know, he, uh, of course he can just take over here, but like, well, if the putter goes cold, th- th- this is, it's going to be a tough out. And Victor Perez being the quote worst guy in the group is, is tough. Svensson just won the RSM. Svensson's getting back to the stuff that we love about him. The the ball striking numbers, you know, Jason day statistically last 36 rounds, it's the big three, John Rom, Scotty Scheffler, Rory McIlroy, and Jason Day is the only other guy gaining two strokes per round over the last 36 of everybody in this field. I mean, he's been phenomenal. So, so this, this group, um, is just jam packed with talent. So I, what I will probably do is uh, take an opportunity to avoid Colin, uh, and then probably, I mean, Spenson at sixty seven hundred is very interesting. Victor Perez mm-hmm. at sixty five, very interesting because you, you could you could get a situation where, you know, if Spenson gets out of this group, and as long as Victor doesn't get out of Group Eight, like. He's pretty much a toss-up or a favorite against anybody in the Sweet 16, Chris Kirk, Siwoo Kim, Matt Kuchar. I'd feel confident about him against any of those guys. So you could see a pretty deep run from from whoever comes out of Group 9, I think could has a pretty clean path to into the Elite Eight until they have to run into the top half. Yeah, and that's all the more reason, actually, from a DFS standpoint to maybe, again, if you're making multiple lineups, which I think everybody does at this point, to maybe play Colin Morikawa. Because I think from an ownership standpoint, when it, when it comes to these top seeds, or, or when I say top seed, I may be maybe like a top 10 um, seeded player. I think Colin Morikawa is going to carry some pretty low ownership because of all the reasons we just stated in the last couple of minutes. So given that there could be a clear path for a guy like an Adam Svensson, for example, or Jason Day, well, the same could be true for Colin Morikawa, who we know could potentially recapture his form all around and, and potentially maybe he doesn't even meet Scotty Scheffler in the final eight and gets to the final four. I, I could see that path. It's not something I, I think is super likely, but from a contrarian DFS standpoint, he might be your guy. Group 10, 
Tony Finau, Kurt Kitayama, Adrian Moronk, Christian Bizadenhout. I got I got one guy here. I got one guy <laughs> I want out of this group. Well, it, I, I'm going to guess that it, it, is is it Kurt Kitayama? Hell yeah. Okay, Absolutely. there you go. I mean, I, I certainly like the price on him too. I, I like it. Listen, I love Tony Finau, but I think that there are guys made for match play and there are guys that are not made for match play. Mm-hmm. And the good, the good news for Tony is there's like only one match play of any year and that's going away seemingly. So you're going to have a lot of great opportunities, but man, you like, I want to, I want a dog in match play. I, mm-hmm. I want, I want Kurt Kitayama. I want Kurt Kitayama who stares down everybody at Bay Hill. I want Kurt Kitayama who doesn't back up at the CJ cup, who goes, who goes at it at, at the Scottish show. Like I want, I want like, I want Kurt. Because I know he's gonna uh, like go out there and and stick it to these guys. I think Tony's too nice for match play, quite honestly. <laughs> well, he certainly has that demeanor that to to potentially kind of float through match play and not lock in like some of these guys. I think Kitayama is a really interesting play too because if Will Zalatoris stumbles in round one and doesn't get out of group one, then Kitayama potentially gets. Uh, it's not a layup because it's still Kurt Kitayama at the end of the day, but he potentially gets to to the grade eight. Uh, reasonably easily at least relative to other people who are who are you know getting to the sweet 16 and then you know who knows maybe john rom stumbles maybe cameron young stumbles and i, I could there's a path for kurt kitayama to make it to the final four let's just put it that way yeah api winner kurt kitayama to make it to the final four um mm-hmm. group 11 here matt fitzpatrick sahith tagala minwoo lee jj spawn um Level of concern for Matt Fitzpatrick and the ailing neck injury that he's been transparent about with seven rounds in five days. Yeah, he's my least favorite guy in this group, to be honest with you. I mean, we we talked about fading him last week. We've been fading him. I I think we've kind of both been fading him for a while, but I'm concerned about the injury. Like, again, we we try to play doctor to the the best uh, we can, and that you know isn't very good, obviously. But, like, there are obvious signs to me that Matt Fitzpatrick – maybe shouldn't even be playing in this tournament, given you know, how taxing it might be if he actually advances. But I just don't think he's going to advance. So for me, coming off two missed cuts, really not being impressive for quite some time. I, I mean, I absolutely love Sahit Gala. I mean, he, he's a guy I, I'm probably going to have going very far. As far as sleepers are concerned, and I don't know that Sahith is a sleeper per se, especially in this particular group, but in terms of getting a guy that's like 8K or less to potentially advance to like the final four, um, Sahith is extremely high on that list, if not the top of that list. Yeah, both these guys, Sahith and Minwoo Lee. I mean, they yeah. are two dynamic, high upside, streaky, birdie in bunches types of guys. Right? These mm-hmm. are these are the volatile guys that you want to be investing in in this format. And, you know, we're seeing it on the screen right now where, you know, it's whack-a-mole with Sahith and it's all over the place. That's good here. And when Mm -hmm. you are, when you are in a group where your top seed has questions about this, his form, uh, most, most, uh, mostly related to the injury, like this is open season, you know, Sahith and Minwoo, they're licking their chops at starting this thing, man. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see how these guys go out. And then JJ spawn. I, I just, you know, maybe he shocks the world, but that, that would be pretty tough to see him get out of here. Well, I'll say this about Spawn. We, we've seen him, man, the, the ball striking has been really bad over the yeah. last, what, six tournaments, um, really for quite some time. But 
we've seen him, especially on this course, like I think he could be pretty good. And because Matt Fitzpatrick is at the top of this group and because there is volatility, which can can go bad, too, with Minwoo Lee and Sahit Tagala, if you were to take an extremely contrarian play in your DFS lineup because you wanted to save some money, I mean, at a flat 6K, I think you could do worse than J.J. Spahn. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. It's probably Minwoo or Sahith here. I think all three of these guys, and I'm including J.J. Spawn with the three, I think they're getting a break by, by getting Matt Fitzpatrick in their group right now. Group 12, Jordan Spieth, the Spieth group uh, with Shane Lowry, Taylor Montgomery, Mackenzie Hughes. I I really like Spieth and I love him in like match. Anything that's like not just like standard golf, Jordan Spieth's the best at, right? Just like match play and being weird and being creative and like all that stuff he's awesome at. It's not a good draw. Shane Lowry's got yeah. a ton, a ton of match play experience. Uh, the other two guys can roll the rock and just get hot with the putt. They might just roll in 150 feet of putts in 12 holes and just and boat race you. So I, I still think, I still think it's speed that gets out of this. But that is with little confidence. I say that. <sighs> Yeah, and it should be. I, I like how Spieth is playing. I played him a lot in, in DraftKings, and it really paid off. Rick, I almost had an outright. It was a 2,000-person tournament. I came in second place because Taylor Moore ended up winning. I had Fleetwood, I had Spieth, and I had Shank in the lineup. Sick. And I just really just – the only thing I needed was one of those three guys to win, and then all yeah. of a sudden Taylor Moore is at the top of the leaderboard. But it was a nice payoff and all that stuff, and, and I really like Spieth's game. I, I, I really – like the approach play has been awesome. We knew he was probably going to club down and keep it in the fairway at the Valspar. I think he's going to be very strategic at this quarter as well i like him but yeah you're right i mean honestly i i i tend to defer towards lowry in this one and as much as i've been fading taylor montgomery over really the last like two months i've been fading him in, in matchups betting wise too i have seen some spurts where taylor montgomery's actually like ball striking it okay and we know the putter is so so good with him so he he worries me mackenzie hughes doesn't worry me quite as much but taylor montgomery definitely worries me. so this is one of those groups where I think I'm largely going to avoid, especially because I like Max Homa so much in the adjacent group. Yeah, like what, like Taylor Montgomery, the last time we saw him was the Players' Championship. He gained eight strokes putting. What what happens if he just gains three strokes putting in a round? Like you're just, uh, that, that, there's so much luck involved in match play. And if mm. you just get on the wrong side of someone hooping a bunch of 35 footers on you, like it, you're kind of cooked. And Montgomery is, the most likely one of the most likely guys to make like five 35 footers in the same round. That's right. And honestly, the off the tee numbers have actually been borderline impressive. If you go back like eight or nine tournaments, he's going to be an annoying match play guy. He hits it far and putts. Well, that's such an annoying match play guy. It's not where you want to be. It's really not where you want to be. That's good. You you hit it to like 12 feet. He hits it to 15. You, You don't have the advantage there. Yes, but and when and now and now he makes it and puts your now your twelve footer is is required, right? It's a tough place to be. Group thirteen, I think it's wide open. Sam mm-hmm. Burns, Seamus Power, Adam Scott, Adam Hadwin. Uh, I can make a case for all of them. I mean, I mean, flip a four sided coin. This thing is this is wide open. It's wide open. If you're looking at it from a pure upside standpoint, and this is an obvious statement, but when I say upside, I'm not talking about just getting out of the group. I'm talking about knocking out a guy like Patrick Cantley, who a lot of people are going to have advancing. He's going to be really popular in DraftKings. I think Sam Burns is that guy because I think maybe we're starting to see him recapture sort of the Sam Burns form. We saw it a little bit at the Valspar, and that Sunday from him was was pretty awesome considering the circumstances he was golfing in. So 
I think Sam Burns is a guy that I don't normally play. I love him in this format. I love the form that we're starting to see, but we haven't fully seen. And the fact that we haven't fully seen it means people are going to still be tentative to play him. I think you could have a DFS lineup with Sam Burns, and, and, and in that lineup you're hoping he knocks out Cantlay too, and then you're, you're really on your way to a good lineup. <laughs> Yeah, I think if you wanted to, yeah. So I think Group Thirteen offer it, it's going to offer a lot of leverage, right? Mm-hmm. Because because it is so wide open, and because most people will assume that Patrick Cantlay gets out of Group Four, which is certainly not a given. Mm-hmm. That that if you get the right guy out of Thirteen, it could be a pretty deep run, right? I mean, Seamus Power has the two skills that you like in match play, approach play, and putting. Sam Burns, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's trending in the right direction. Adam Hadwin had one bad round last week and kind of yeah. cost him outside of that. I mean, he can get hot with the putter. He can get hot on approach. So, yeah, it, it, it 13, I think, is like your X-factor, slate breaker type group there that can really make a lot of noise. Absolutely. I think that's true for 13. I think it's true for a group we recently talked about, which is group 11. And I think you need to consider that when you are filling out your DFS lineup, like what are people going to do and and where can I buck that trend? I think guys like Sam Burns, Adam Scott, Adam Hadwin in particular, I'm not as big on power uh, for this one in this particular group, but all of those guys could do some damage here. Group 14, Terrell Hatton, Russell Henley, Lucas Herbert, Ben Griffin. I imagine most will invest in Hatton. He's been he's been phenomenal. Is there a case to be made for anybody else? No, there isn't. Um, the one thing I'll caution is because people are probably going to see that first the, the first group that Terrell Hatton is in, they know how good he's been playing. If you roster him, just know that, that there's a good chance that a lot of other people are going to roster him as well. Although his second round matchup potentially against Rory, um, you know, that doesn't look super great. But I think Hatton's going to be a pretty popular play, I'm guessing, in spite of the fact that that second round draw isn't great. Yeah, I don't think there's much of an argument there. Um, I wish Ben Griff. I like Ben Griffin's stat prof- profile a little bit. I wish it was kind of a little bit different. It's it's getting a little shakier as we as we go on. Herbert can putt well, but we've seen him just hemorrhage strokes all over the place. And I don't know if I have much confidence in Russell Henley. So it's either it's probably Hatton or nobody for me out of out of Group 14. Mm-hmm. 15. Where are you? 15. Here you go. All right. Here's. Here, here's the one here, right? So this is the Cam Young group. It's Cam Young, Sepp Straka, Corey Connors, Davis Thompson. Cam Young, I think, can win the mm-hmm. whole thing. I think he'll be popular. I will also note that when I did my draw analysis uh, of just the other three in, in every single group, um, this, the, the second best group was Homa's group. Those guys were tour average 0.00 in the last 36 rounds. Corey Connors, Davis Thompson, Sepp Straka are actually losing strokes to the field in the last 36 rounds. That is the only group that you can say that about. So this is seemingly by far the best possible draw for any top seed and Cam Young got it. So Cam Young, the 15 overall seed, gets those three guys and John Rahm and Scotty Scheffler get who they got. That's pretty staggering. Uh, Yeah, I like Cam Young. I I think, again, I think he is going to be popular. I mean, there is an argument to be made that if you're taking him in DraftKings, of course, you know, he could get John Rahm in the second round. But I think the argument you're making for Cameron Young is, well, A, he could probably get past group one and John Rahm. That's certainly possible. But also that John Rahm's group is so difficult it might not be John Rahm emerging from that. And so you get Cameron Young with the kind of some layups in the first group. And then, you know, who does he get? Keith Mitchell, 
maybe Billy Horschel, Ricky Fowler in, in the second round. I mean, that's a pretty great path to getting to the Elite Eight. So Cameron Young makes a lot of sense. He's probably going to be very, very popular, something yeah. to keep in mind because this is golf at the end of the day. It's no, it's nothing is automatic, but yeah, Cameron Young has a really nice path. It's well warranted. He has an elite driver. Uh, he hits it far. He's he's the fourth best birdie maker in the field over the last 50 rounds. He is not even putting all that well. He's got Paul Tesori on the bag for the first mm-hmm. time. Webb Simpson's old caddy. This is he's going to be popular. It's going to be it's going to be well warranted. Yeah. Finally, Group 16. This is the group that would run immediately into the Scottish Scheffler group. Sung J M, Tommy Fleetwood, J T Poston, Mav McNeely. It's another pretty stout group. I have a question for you on Tommy Fleetwood, because I I think, you know, normally I don't generalize like this, but I think there's a clutch gene that's just kind of missing with Tommy Fleetwood. And I I think that's been the rhetoric on him, which predated the last couple of weeks. But the point I'm making is I didn't buy into that rhetoric until I saw the last two weeks when he just really tightened up um, on the final round, typically on the back nine. And a lot of that can just be like coincidence and, you know, circumstantial, but like it it didn't look great. Club selection, just he was short on some, he was super long on others. It just, he, he was never clutch on the back nine in either of these last two tournaments. And I wonder, my question for you is, is this format, is it maybe actually psychologically better for him? I do think that um, it is better, like, like just, just do something different, right? Like just have this be different. He doesn't have to beat everyone in the field, which which I think feels like a big task. You just Mm -hmm. beat the guy in front of you. And he's got, he's had such great, you know, Ryder cup records in the past that I, I think that that is at least a logical transition to make. It makes sense that it would be way more intimidating to close on a Sunday when you're in a pack of 10 guys, than I just got to beat this guy. I feel like the the stress and the pressure of that is vastly different. And I just have to like beat him on this hole and then like start a new hole next hole. And like, you know what I mean? It's like a mistake that you make is not nearly as detrimental in match play because it only costs you one hole at worst. Right. And my larger point is that the mistakes will be less frequent as a result of that stress of not having a bunch of guys that are chasing you down or that you have to chase down. So I just, again, I'm getting like super deep into the psychology here, but I don't love the clutch gene here or the lack thereof, but I do think Fleetwood caught a nice little draw here, and it wouldn't shock me if he gets to the Elite Eight, if not beyond. Fleetwood, M, um, I think both are fine. Also, it's a little scary when you get guys who can roll it, although Poston hasn't put it as well recently. But like McNeely, again, my, mm-hmm. McNeely's in the same boat as Montgomery might just gain eight strokes putting and yeah. like steal, steal something away from you. Um, okay. Any, as, as we kind of zoom out and, you know, we've gone group by group here. So I obviously think, uh, Cantlay and Homa could make a really good run here. I worry about the path that guys like even Victor and Colin Morikawa have, uh, John Rahm as well. I think that some of the, the, the better sleepers are, Keegan Bradley, I think, is really interesting. Either anybody out of Group 11 that's not named Matt Fitzpatrick, ideally Sahith Minwoo Lee. I think that Kurt Kitayama is interesting out of Group 10. Just kind of guys that I'll start uh, building around as we as we get into this for the next day or so. 
Yeah, I like that. And again, I think the way you have to think about this is is how clear are the paths. And but you also have to think about from a DFS standpoint, what you're seeing is what everybody else is seeing as well. So can you envision a scenario? Can you play devil's advocate where, yeah, you know, everybody's going to like that guy. But is there somebody else that you think that can contend that has a similar clear path? And and usually that'll be the case, like in, in every individual group, you'll have a guy like Patrick Cantlay, who you love. Well, you know, you can't really make the argument with Cantlay that Harmon, Cage, Lee or Nick Taylor are going to go super far but you can make the argument that somebody from group 13 is going to go super far so those are the things you need to consider when you know people are going to like take the patrick cantley's the cameron youngs and i'm going to be playing some of those guys too but just keep all of that stuff in mind as we sit here right now we think cantley cam young terrell hatton probably the three most popular golfers yeah that sounds about right and then just like scotty scheffler because he's scotty scheffler Mm-hmm. I wonder what happened, what ends up happening with John Rahm because he's got a tough group and we didn't see him last week because of, or was it last week or two weeks ago? I'm getting mixed up with uh, the stomach flu that he had. Oh, it, it was, was two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. It was the yeah. uh, players. Yeah. So, you know, that might be kind of an out of sight, out of mind thing, you know, because you're looking at guys like Scotty and Cantley. Maybe people are just going to be like, that's too tough a group. I don't want to deal with it. So maybe it makes John Rahm an interesting, slightly contrarian player. Okay. Um, let's suspend logic and reason and do some narrative lineups, which I understand are very exciting for this week. So, Troy, what do we have in, as far as narrative lineups go? Okay. So, if you are just tuning in for the first time, Sia Najad kind of curates these where uh, he will ask for these narrative lineups and people will put together whatever they can come up with. So, here's the model maniac it says, match play, gladiators in battle. Oh, okay. Maximus Homa. Solid. Will Thatcher, a Knight's Tale. I like a Knight's Tale. That's a good one. I've never seen that. Oh, you should go see that. Oh. There's this w- one weird moment. So it's like it's like a it's like this normal good movie. And then there's this weird moment where they break the fourth wall and it turns into like just for like one scene, like a musical. And it's like, <laughs> who who greenlit this? Like who approved this? Okay, I, I'm out on a night's tale. It's That's all good. I needed. Outside to hear. of that, it's pretty good. I'm out. Jordan Spartacus, uh, Achilles Hughes. That would be Mac Hughes. John Snow from Game of Thrones. That would be John Rahm, I assume. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. Maverick McNeely, Top Gun. He doesn't have to change anything there. <laughs> At Fantasy Bunker says we're off to match play. So why not a list of things that go together? Okay, this is creative. Mm-hmm. JT and Crumpets. Poston. Wow. Adri Yin and Yang Moronk. Solid. Solid. Matt Fish Patrick and Chips. <laughs> wow. <laughs> ketchup and Sea Mustard Powers. Or Ketchup and Shea Mustard Powers. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> Green Eggs and Sham Burns. Shaham birds. That's pretty funny. <laughs> and hot and spicy Woo Kim. <laughs> well great. done, Fantasy Bunker. That's very good, Ryan. Match play. This is John Markowski. Match play reminds me of March Madness. All of my brackets are broken. So let's roast some golfers to feel better. This is like a script. So John is now roasting golfers. Uh, Aaron Wise. Wise of me not to play you this week with your current form. But um, bump, bump. Boom, roasted. Brian Harmon, what's the harm in playing you? My bank account. Ah, boom, roasted. Hey-o. Adam Hadwin, they told me you had win equity at Valspar. Nope. Boom, roasted. <laughs> John Rom, we doing this 
bath rom thing again oh a little tummy troubles for john rom sorry john <laughs> alex norin what has two thumbs and will be ignoring you this week <laughs> this guy got him jason day plan to truly contend any day now oh a little backdoor j day action tough scene well done john markowski okay i am under the impression see you that after my weeks and months of griping and belly moaning that I am asked to try to pronounce these things that come from people's heads, usually musical or theatrical or pop culture related. And I've been throwing out the challenge. You know what? If you think you can do a better job, just record yourself and send it in. I'm under the impression someone has taken us up on that. They took you up on that, Rick, and they relieved you of your duties. So that's pretty cool. Uh, let's let's just run it. Let's see what we got. Hey, First Cut fam, this is Brent Harris here. I have two Strokes Gate narrative lineups for the two tournaments this week. Rick Rungood, you asked for it. Sia Najad, thank you so much for supporting our creativity as always. All right, with the first lineup, we're going to the Dell Technology Match Play Championship. Since they might be retiring this event, since technology gets retired or retires other things all the time, here is retired stuff of the PGA Tour. First off, we have CD-ROMs. We have the HOMA telephone. We have MP3 players, post-in stamps, Fox machines, and Nick Taylor made drivers. Forgiveness. Whoops. All right. This next lineup I'm super proud of. It provides synergy with our Paramount Plus family. I give to you the Corrales Punta Cana Championship, SpongeBob's PGA Tour Reef. All right. Without further ado, we got Sponge Joel Bucket Hat. We have Grayson Word. This would have been James Hahn for sure, but he's not in the tournament. We have Marky. He has the snail putting style. Patrick Star Rogers. Mr. Higgs. He's shaped just like Mr. Krabs. And instead of King Neptune, we have the true king of the Windy Sea, Wyndham Clark himself. Thanks so much, First Cut, for all you do. It's so much fun to be a part of this fam. Harris, over and out. Wow. That is that is the hat tip. That is the golf clap. That is very, very cool. Brett Harris took me up on it. Took me up on it, filmed himself, absolutely rocked it. That was cool. That was really cool. And what was cool about it isn't just that he he – to produce the video for both tournaments, but especially that first one, I know he liked the second one a lot, but that first one was like, everything was just perfect. And, yeah. and then he went full Mark Immelman on the CD ROM. CD ROM. Like, that was just so many like little <laughs> things he incorporated there from the first cut. Uh, I'm glad he called it family when he was addressing the whole thing, because uh, that's how we feel about everybody that watches as well. And hopefully we can even bring more into the fold. Cause this is fun. The bar has been raised. Brett, well done. Congratulations. I imagine uh, others will be reaching out with their videos in the future, but really, really cool stuff. Um, yeah, that's awesome. A cool little community we've built here. See, ya. is there anything else we need to touch on match play wise? 
I think that's pretty much it. I mean, I again, make sure you go back to the beginning of this podcast that you're listening to later, but maybe watching now and talk and, and make sure you're not uh, having too many guys in the same quadrant or in the same region, because that's going to be really important. Maybe have a bracket in front of you. And so that when you're making your lineup or, you know, you can go on, you know, RRG and, and, and you know, just have the rules in there and, you know, produce your teams. But if you're doing it by hand, maybe have the bracket in front of you so you can just make sure that you don't have guys going out on each other uh, early. Programming notes for this week. So this tournament starts on Wednesday. So we are doing the mega preview pod 1 p.m. Eastern Tuesday. See ya. We're doing the mega preview pod 1 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday. That's less than 24 hours from right now. I'm 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 getting my pick in tonight. I just need to find out where I find the list of players I've already picked. Is that like on the? Uh, it's in. Uh, it's well, in some I'll of the ask. outlines. Tro- yeah, okay. Troy or Josh can get it for you. Okay. The fans' vote will be tallied at 1 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday. That's the mega preview pod for this week. Kyle, uh, I believe he's in route right now or in route tomorrow. I is going to try to join us from the press center. We'll see if that comes to fruition. But we got boots on the ground this week. We are also going to be doing, I'll call them day-by-day recaps. So after Wednesday's rounds or or matches are complete, we'll do it Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We'll have every single day covered along the way. And I I believe those are all my announcements. All right. Okay. Just making sure. All right. That'll do it. Big thanks to producer Troy. Does all the hard work behind the scenes. Sian Ajad, available on Twitter at Sian Ajad. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. Catch you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.